2: Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in the motorcycle industry right to you. I'm Dave Sulecki.
0: I'm Dale Spangler. And this week, our guest is... King of the Baggers and Super Hooligans competitor, Tyler O'Hara. Moto America is the official sponsor of Pit Pass Moto. Moto America, home of AMA Superbike and North America's premier motorcycle road racing series, features 10 rounds and 20 races of the best motorcycle road racing on two wheels. That's seven classes, including Superbike, SuperSport, Junior Cup, Stock 1000, Twins Cup, and the ever popular King of the Baggers and Roland Sands Super Hooligans. Don't miss a minute of the action with Moto America Live Plus video on demand streaming. Tickets, info, and a complete schedule can be found at motoamerica.com. And be sure to follow Moto America on Twitter, Instagram, and
2: Facebook. This week's Pit Pass Moto All Access segment, uh, we want to talk about amateur motocross. And the Loretta Lynn's Amateur National, which took place last week. And uh, congrats to all of the racers and all of the champions that made the commitment and spent their week down at the ranch. It's always a good time down there, weather permitting, because it's always brutally hot and it's gonna rain at least one day. So uh, hats off to those people that made the trip. With the uh, completion of the amateur nationals, kind of wanted to talk about the state of amateur motocross in the United States. And Dale, kind of get your opinion on uh, Where do you think things are at? Because I think the Loretta's paints one picture of what amateur racing looks like. What are your thoughts on amateur racing in general?
0: From the outside looking in, things certainly look very healthy. I mean, you watch it on TV. They had the live streaming all week. This is definitely a destination event. Concerts, tons of activities going on after the races are over. Big sponsors coming in with like Monster Energy buying in. So I, you know, from the surface on the surface, it looks like everything is just on fire, which it is. But I think in the big picture, it's also kind of a little bit concerning that it's become pretty expensive. You know, like events like this to go for an entire week. Most people have these huge hundred thousand plus dollar rigs that they stay in all week, and so you know, of course, cost of bikes are expensive now. So to commit to an event like that is a is a pretty big deal these days, and so. I think it says a lot about where motocross is that this amateur race is this big, but it's also a little bit concerning on the the local level where I think there's a big difference between a local racer now and a national level racer. That's for sure.
2: Racing for Loretta's has turned into a business. You got racers and their families, as you mentioned, with the expensive motorhomes and the, and the full commitment on motorcycles that they spend all their time and money basically to live at one of the many training facilities that uh, they use to work towards that ultimate goal of a Loretta Lynn's championship. And surprisingly, those same racers do very little racing as amateurs. They spend their time training and training and training and very few outright local events that uh, ultimately to me would be amateur racing at its finest would be those local levels. And it really makes me wonder if if Loretta's is a different thing from amateur racing, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's definitely showing the cream of the crop, and these are your future pros. There were so many big names that came out of Loretta's this year that are going to soon go pro. But uh, I tend to agree with your statement about the local level, which I believe should be the feeder event for an amateur series of this size. Definitely, there seems to be some separation, and it's definitely two different things.
0: There's such a huge gap, I think, between that local level, as you were saying, and that I would even go so far as to say it's more of an elite event now because I think to get there is much harder. When you do get there, if you're not training at one of these, you know, full-time training facilities, whether it's the Carolinas, Florida, or whatever it is where you can train year-round, I would say there's not a very good chance that you're going to do very well down there. As we know, it's hot, humid. You have to be fit. Doesn't matter how fast you are on the bike. If you can't make a you know 20-minute long moto, you're not going to do very well there. So I think it really has, has separated it even more It's definitely gone forward, but also a little bit back at the same time because it's a little less accessible, I would say.
2: With that in mind, I wanted to kind of pick your brain and ask a question because you're a former professional racer. You held a pro license. You scored points at the national level. And this is a hot button topic whenever Loretta's comes up, that former professionals are allowed to attend and race the event in some of the age classes, which I guess in some ways kind of concerns me because I'm a 50 plus guy that uh, could possibly qualify down to go down there based on what I, I know about local guys that I've raced against that have made the event. Not to say that I'm the, the guy that's going to go down there and win it, but uh, lining up to former professionals like uh, Mike Brown or Barry Karsten in the 50 plus class is kind of concerning because uh, they tend to go a lot better on a motorcycle than I ever will. And are they really, truly an amateur, I guess. And I just wanted to get your opinion. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, I just don't know if it's the right thing. I just want to get your thoughts on that.
0: Well, it's definitely a great question and to be honest, I don't necessarily consider myself to be a pro at much of anything on two wheels these days, but <laughs> but but to your point though, I completely agree about like it's almost to the point where there there could potentially be we'll put air quotes like an X pro class where anyone who's held a pro license has to ride in that class because as you said, well, here's here's a good example like this year I think it was an unprecedented happening where Cole Martinez wins the plus 25 age cat class and then also won the open pro class. And I don't think that's ever been done with someone that's, you know, I think I want to say he's in his early thirties. And so for him, I mean, it's pretty incredible to see a guy line up and win an age class and then go out and win an open pro class. There's a lot of huge names that I saw in the lineup. You know, guys like Matt Byton, the freestyle rider, Ryan Terlecki, an ex-pro, Barry Karsten, Like you said, the list goes on and on. Michael Lessie, you know, back there again, uh, riding in the uh, an age class, and so it's it seems like that's a huge part of it. You know, if anywhere from 50s to 50 year olds is what makes Loretta Lynn's unique, but at the same time, I think it's gotten so competitive with a lot of these X pros that I think it would be kind of cool to have an X pro class to where maybe we would get more X pros to show up if there was a designated class. So. Yeah, interesting times for sure. But I was definitely, like I said, blown away that uh, what Cole Martinez did this year. And I also want to give a little shout out to Earl May, who's a guy I raced with back in 97, the last time I raced at Loretta Lins in plus 25. I was racing against him then, and he's still racing today. And I think he was in the plus 50 class. So pretty incredible that he's been doing it that long. Welcome back to pit pass moto king of the baggers racer and super hooligans champion, Tyler O'Hara. Welcome back. How are you today?
1: Good morning. Thank you guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm doing well. I'm out here training and, uh, living my best life.
0: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. You wrapped up the uh, super hooligans title here at the, I believe it was Laguna Saka round. You got one round remaining in New Jersey in September in the, uh, King of the Baggers title chase, and and you're pretty much in the driver's seat, so what are you up to, and how are you staying focused between now and September?
1: Well, you know, this, uh, to wrap up the championship, riding the motorcycle on the Super FTR 1200, was uh, I knew it was going to be tough racing against the KTMs and then the Ducatis and the other manufacturers, but we've developed that bike quite a bit to, to where I got comfortable and was able to win the race and win the championship, and that was a good step in the right direction, and that's what we needed to do. And and now this uh, 100% focused on the task at hand, and that's the King of the Baggers Championship. We have an opportunity in New Jersey, September 11th. And, you know, we took a little week off. Out, uh, took a little holiday out at the beach and kind of cleared my mind and reset. And then uh, today's Monday, I'm back out here preparing. And, you know, preparation equals confidence. So I'm out here. I got four or five different motorcycles, and I'm out here training on the go-kart track today.
0: To say that things were chaotic might be an understatement at the Brainerd round for King of the Baggers. It seemed like anything anything, and everything that could happen, red flags, rain, smoking bikes, crashes, you know, like, you know, Kyle Wyman gets DQ'd. So tell us a little bit about that. It seemed like it was just a wild race.
1: The race and just the weekend overall, we uh, unfortunately lost a fellow rider on Fridays, so That was, uh, that was tough. We had a Memorial Saturday morning and that just kind of, uh, it was kind of like a bad dream all weekend, just with the circumstances. And, you know, I had a really good Indian challenger underneath me. The guys at SNS Cycles, they, we did our homework and we showed up ready. And it was the first time we had a new stiff rear wheel and we shortened the swing arm by about an inch. So we got. little bit more overall grip so we made a big step in the right direction and you know i was leading every session and set the lap record and you know and then the race we uh had a great start and we were two laps in and then they threw the red flag and and then uh you know there's oil down on the track and someone crashed and they were cleaning it up we were all ready to go sitting on pit wall and then they uh they told us, oh, we're postponing till the end of the day. So that was a little bit of a buzzkill. You know, I had the rhythm and the pace and the tempo when it was nice and hot and track was good. And so they pushed us back to the end of the day. And, you know, if your bike causes uh, a wreck for say, Kyle's bike was leaking oil and, and he caused Patricia to crash. So technically in any other championship and then Motor America, you could disqualify that. That's what that was about and uh, when they postponed it i somehow figured that they were going to figure out a way to fix his bike and get him back in the race in the afternoon which uh which they ended up calling him and and dq it and then um so we i left the track i had to reset get my mind right and came back and when we came back it was 20 degrees cooler and it was overcast and it was chance of rain and and Jake Gagne crashed in the race before me, so I got a whole shot, and I'm leading it, and kind of managing the grip levels. And then Bobby put a put a hard pass on me, kind of ran me wide, and we got back to third place. And then, uh, and then the next lap, they threw the red flag when I was in third place, which uh, which was uh, a little bit unfortunate because I was counting my laps and figuring out where I was stronger than these guys and, and just uh, it is what it is though. I finished third and and, um, I still have an opportunity and a chance to win the championship in New Jersey. So I'll focus on that. And uh, we're going to go test here on the 22nd, 23rd at New Jersey. So we'll have a really good base setting when we roll out of the truck. So focus on the task at hand and this opportunity, trying to make the most of this opportunity.
2: Yeah, no doubt. You guys have been doing your homework and it shows, I mean, that Indian is fast and I got to say I, you know even though Bobby's not a teammate he had a pretty good weekend at uh, at Brainerd you got to say by winning the challenge and the in the final as things kind of fell fell the way they did I guess
1: Yeah yeah it was a little unfortunate we uh, we had a little ground clearance issue and uh, framed out in the in the dash it's just a winner take all kind of deal and then Kyle we're we're pushing these things so hard now we're we're really riding them at the limit in those sprint races it's just kind of you overthink it and you kind of ride override so he got a little lucky on that one and then i think he got a little lucky on the dash but you know got indian motorcycle on top of the podium at our home race in minnesota was a big deal and and he was able to take some points away from our opposition which is uh which is good too so yeah he's riding good he's on the same spec bike that i'm on as well i don't know if you guys know that but uh he's on the good stuff too so all in all it was good to good to uh get indian on top unfortunately uh you know i would have liked to been on top but Moving forward and and looking looking ahead.
2: Uh, That's interesting I I didn't realize that the teams were able to do that combine the 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 resources that's good for uh, the Roland Sands team for sure but uh, I got to say I've watched that replay of your of your slide out when you said you had the ground clearance problem and I'm not making light of this in any way but it sure looked like the most casual step off because you just came up walking (laughs) the way you slid and stood up. It was something,
1: yeah, of any corner to do it, that was probably the one to do it, and during the dash, it wasn't you know during the race, there was no points on the line or anything, but I just got sucked in there, it was a little bit deep in the stroke, and usually, I'm on the throttle before the bump and was still on the brakes, and just uh low sided and uh and uh that's it, you know, we're on the limit, and it was pretty graceful and and boys worked to give the boys a little extra work that night, but they got it all fixed up and all ready to go.
2: Have tires been a challenge for you guys to get to work for the for, uh, 620 plus pound motorcycle? I mean, that's got to be one of the elements of developing that race bike. That's had, had to been it has to be a challenge to get a tire to live through those longer events.
1: Yeah, it is definitely. That's definitely been uh, something that we've been working at since Daytona. Obviously, Daytona is a different tire and carcass. But Laguna Seca, for instance, we just had no grip from the lap two. And just everyone had a great start and then just went backwards and doing everything I could to keep the thing underneath me. But it, it's, um, you know, the new stiffer wheel and the shortened swing arm, a little bit more overall grip. And then um, we softened up the setup a little bit to try to get a little bit more uh, grip as well. But definitely a challenge and something that we, uh, we, really strategize on and do our homework. And, and um, I ran a different front tire at uh, Brainerd, which a little stiffer carcass, which actually seemed to help our bike a lot. And then, yeah, the rear is just, just management, trying to get it up off the edge of the tire. And, and uh, it's tough because it is a sprint at the same time. So, yeah, but that's definitely the drop on these tires is um, a lot more than I ever remember this year, for sure.
0: So you have kind of a unique situation, Tyler, where you race the 600 pound plus bagger bike, and then you race an FTR 1200, like naked bike, both on the same road course and the super hooligans. I'm curious to know, which is the sketchiest between the two and which is your favorite?
1: The bag is definitely the sketchiest and it's definitely my favorite. That's my niche. I'm good at riding big, heavy bikes and, uh, Started out going faster on the bagger, and then we were faster at Laguna sake on the FTR, which uh, which I was pretty surprised. But once we got the FTR sorted, it's uh, it's a joy to ride. And they're both pretty fun. They're unique. The the baggers just got more power and more torque, and you can you can really burn the tire and and uh, the, the the acceleration and the torque on that thing is just unbelievable. Compared to the 1200, but they're both super fun to ride for sure. And being able to get more track time on the 1200 really helps the Bagger
0: program for sure. Well, I can tell you love that Bagger bike because your stand-up wheelies are absolutely epic. I was looking at the one from—I don't remember if it was if it was in Wisconsin or not—but like one of them, you just were like standing. I think the announcer even was like, "You got this wobble going in your wheelie," and I'm like, "How does one practice those type of wheelies without just destroying a bike?" <laughs>
1: Well, you don't, you just, you know, I got a, I got a practice bike, which is, uh, the stocking in challenger. And I said, Hey, if I'm going to race this thing, I need to be, uh, I need to figure out how to ride it. So I, I ride it in the dirt and do donuts and I practice all the stunts and all that stuff at my house just cause it's bike skills. Right. And then, uh, you know, when you win a dash for cash against your rival at their home track in Wisconsin, you get pretty jacked up. And uh, I just let, I sent it, and the guys came in, like, you know how long that was? I'm like, I have no idea. Like, it's a thousand feet. So I was just pumped up and, and uh, excited and, and just having fun and entertaining the fans because they come out and they want to see us and we put on a show. And I'm, I'm just having fun.
0: It definitely shows through, that's for sure. So, in a different direction, I wanted to ask you about I've been noticing a lot in, in the Moto America scene and the flat track scene, Mission Foods as a sponsor. And I've just noticed that they really just seem like they're all in on, on the sport, supporting a lot of racers and teams. Tell us a little bit about that relationship because it sounds like they're they're a, they're a big supporter of your program. I even saw where they had some cool POP displays in stores in conjunction with races like, you know, full, full height POPs of pictures of you in the stores. Tell us about that relationship with Mission Foods and what they're doing for the sport.
1: Yeah, they're they're bringing it mainstream. They're doing standees and really promoting our races by bringing Mission Foods into Walmart and promoting our races and stuff like that. But Mr. Juan Gonzalez, he's a motorcycle enthusiast himself. He comes every race. He's really involved. He supports a lot of different racers. He supports a series. He's given us a dash for cash. He's really brought a lot to the series and the championship and, and then to be a, to be a title, one of our title sponsors on our program and just um, having him at the events every weekend and just shows that he cares about it. and Wants to see it grow and it's, you know, tortillas and chips and salsa we're, we're, we're covered and, uh, and the people enjoy it because they can come over and get race ready chips that look like motorcycles. And it's just a, it's really a, a pleasure to have them involved with our program.
2: So it makes me wonder, when you did the uh, the burrito challenge, you had some stiff competition. I saw Frankie Garcia standing near you, and I don't know if I'd want to go up against him with any kind of food involved. Uh, <laughs> but I understand you guys had to build a burrito, not eat a burrito. So that's kind of strange.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure he had it from uh, from before we even started. He he was really confident, and uh, he, he said he was going to win something that weekend, and I think he won that one. So well, we can have that one, but... Uh it was interesting going back and looking how everyone made their burrito different. I thought that was pretty interesting. No, it was fun. It was just getting the people involved and you know, unique little burrito challenge and, and uh it's like the taco challenge. So it's uh it's just fun and interactive and uh you know, a little little competition away from the track, which makes it fun.
2: Yeah, and there can be some smack talk there going on, I'm sure. But uh and and we kind of touched on this last time we talked to you was the Indian versus Harley rivalry that uh, which I think is great and I think Moto America done a great job of promoting it and pushing it and the fans really get into it uh, what's the smack talk like on the grid or in the pits when you guys are is it serious or is it just a bunch of guys joking around when you guys get together
1: well it's racing and uh, you know we're working our butts off and we want to win obviously so it is serious but at the same time we uh, we respect each other and we race hard i think the level that we're riding the bikes now it's a bit more serious than when we started i mean we're four seconds off of superbike time so it, it takes a little bit of energy and focus and obviously the mentality you know you're there to win so it's uh there's definitely no i wouldn't say smack talk we respect each other but the rivalry is real and uh you can obviously tell the harley's spending millions of dollars to uh to come try to beat us and it's a little bit of david versus versus Goliath, and we're the underdogs, so that fires me up. And we don't have as many resources, so that's just a motivator. And and uh, our bikes are different, and our bikes are better at some tracks, and theirs are a little bit better at others. And it's a good, healthy rivalry, and the development of the bikes on both ends is, is going to come back to the customer. And, and then, you know, the loyal fans is what really makes it. I think they have the most smack talk out of anybody, which is, which is okay.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think that's one of the things that's uh, drawing probably the most watch racing in moto america from what i understand statistically everybody just wants to see this i know i do i'm fascinated by the fact that you've taken a non-race bike and put it on the racetrack and compete at that level it's just amazing like you said four seconds off superbike that's pretty darn good when all things are considered so uh with one more round come up in in uh, new jersey in october any thoughts about the final uh, that's coming uh, coming your way
1: Really looking forward to the opportunity, September 11th. I know what I need to do, I just need to execute and just enjoy the process and have fun and just uh, go get it done. This is my time and I'm just gonna do my best and uh, see where we end up. But I'm, I'm very confident, and looking forward to the challenge.
2: And no doubt, it's been a great series to watch. I hope everybody gets a chance to check out uh, King of the Baggers. Definitely one of the most entertaining and exciting bits of racing in Moto America. So I wanna take these last few moments, Tyler, there's anybody you want to give a shout out to sponsors anybody in your program now would be the time to do that
1: yeah absolutely indian motorcycle sns cycles mission foods medallia parts unlimited drag specialties rolling sands motul cd alpine star just everybody that supports me i'm out here with my mechanic today carl he's, uh, he's my practice mechanic and just super blessed and fortunate for this opportunity and medallia as well everyone thank you
2: Awesome. Thanks for spending time with us. We appreciate you coming on Pit Pass Moto.
1: Thank you. Take care.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow Pit Pass Moto on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you have a moment, please rate and review our show. We'd really appreciate it. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit pitpassmoto.com, where you can check out our blog, listen to past episodes, and get your very own Pit Pass Moto swag.
2: This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to Tommy Boy Halverson, producer Leah Haslidge, and audio engineer Eric Coltenow. I'm Dave Sulecki.
0: I'm Dale Spangler. See you next week on Pit Pass Moto.
2: The Hammerdown Racing Report, available weekly on your favorite podcasting platform.